I just had LASIK. That's why the glasses are on. Okay. Yeah, it's interesting. Well, let's uh, go ahead and welcome to the podcast, Corey Pingley. I'm over here. Yeah, you're over there. What's up? <laughs> Multicam setup is getting worked out. Adding angles slowly but surely. You know, this is the second episode. And the first episode was so much fun that I'm getting excited every week to kind of make this more and more a thing. Yeah. Now, for, uh, for context, Corey here... I've known you for how long now? What? I've been here for like six and a half going on seven, so I'd probably say like five and a half, five wow. and a half years. Wow, like five and a half years. Yeah. And we've worked together, mm-hmm. you know, we've been friends, and he's one of my other fellows in tech Damn. that we want to get to know, want to get on the podcast to continue adding as many perspectives as possible, right? Right. Now, I guess to start, just to give folks some additional context from yourself, what's your background, you know, little synopsis up to where you are now? So, I went to high school for electrical, right? Mm -hmm. Up north, it's a huge thing for trade schools. Um, Growing up, I always thought I was going to work for uh, Metro North, which is the railroad out there. Um, ended up installing cable, <laughs> moved out here, kept installing cable. And I, I always tell this story because, um, you know, I was kind of getting tired with the job, but I was good at the job. And I went to this house, it, it, the most disgusting house I have ever stepped foot in in my entire life. And I remember driving away from that house. And I'm like, I got to get out of this. Like there, there has to be a way for me not to be in people's houses anymore because you will never know what you're walking into. Mm-hmm. So sure enough, the next house I go into... Um, as a nurse, and I'm down in South End in Charlotte, um, real dope building, just connecting her internet up, and she's um, in her scrubs, and she's just like, hey, you know, how long do you think it's going to be before I get back? I'm like, oh, this is going to take 15 minutes. Oh, okay, cool. So we're talking, so now I'm like, all right, do I want to go into the medical field? So I'm trying to pick her brain on medical things. Mm-hmm. How's this going to work? And she's just like, yeah, we know this is actually my last week um, down at the ER. Went to nursing school, but um, the biotech company that did our scans um, they hired me on as a consultant at first so that I can consult as a nurse on what we see, what we use them for. Mm-hmm. In the process, they ended up teaching me how to code. So I'm leaving mm-hmm. nursing to go be a developer for their biomech. I was like, wait, what? Hmm. Huh? Interesting. And she's just like, yeah, well, you know, it just happened to work out. So instantly, I go home right after that. I'm just like, all right, well, if she can spend all that money on a nursing degree and all that time and make that switch like that, there has to be something behind this. Mm-hmm. So I start doing, I get my laptop and I'm looking up all these YouTube videos on front-end development. Week and a half later, I get a call from Mason. Mm-hmm. Hey, G's doing a boot camp to teach some things, and that's how everything kind of sparked past that, going through the boot camp, um, and how I started as a developer. Mm-hmm. Um, developed for like a year and a half, even if, if that, maybe less than that, maybe like a year. Um, and I always knew I had more desire for the people aspect and the, or the process aspect. Mm-hmm. Um, and because of the type of work that we were doing, um, it was honestly like, you remember every single week, it was like the director was coming in like, Hey man, like I had a dream that this could work. <laughs> Can you guys figure it out? We were like, sure. And then like we would go in and do it. But like the process was so loose and so crazy around it that I kind of drew to agile in a way to make myself valuable in the moment. Cause mm-hmm. I'm like, if no one has really, no one cares about our process right now, mm-hmm. but if I can kind of divvy down and pare down our process that'll make me valuable here Mm -hmm. so in the process of learning that they were just like hey so we've seen that you've kind of handled the scrum responsibilities for this team 
we have three other teams that need scrum masters. Do you think you can handle those two? Mm-hmm. That's parlayed from that point to a senior scrum role to an agile, co- uh, agile coach role. I'm currently an RTE or release train engineer um, at Bank of America. See, that's, that's interesting because you went through a lot of history there. And you still you still started in code. This came up on our, on our last mm-hmm. podcast. You started in writing code in the highly technical side of tech. But then, because of your preferences of what you want to do on a day-to-day basis, you transitioned into more of a people-focused, people-organizing type of role, right? More more associated with the business, mm-hmm. right? So, can you tell us kind of more your thought process around how that happened, A, yeah. and B, what what really motivated you and solidified that that was the course that you wanted to take as time went on? I knew that I could, but I knew that I did not want to. <laughs> I knew I had the brain power. Everything made sense. But the way I, I'd go home and explain it to my wife, it's like it's so like the technical side, the technical about? side. Yeah. yeah. It's like when I'm coding, like I see what I have to get done, but I'm still like I'm learning a language. It's like learning to speak another language. Mm-hmm. And I'm banging my head against the laptop because I'm just like I, I see the wall. And right as the wall falls, I'm like, huh. Now, the, the feeling that you get once that wall falls, mm-hmm. you feel invincible. Love like, it. this is amazing. And the conversation I had to have myself, I said, how many headbangs is it worth to me for that feeling? Mm-hmm. And then as I got introduced to the agile side, the process side, the business side, I felt that I had a lot of natural qualities that lent faster or, or easier to that. And at the time, my focus was on a full-time role. So I'm like, hey, if I want to solidify this role, I need to fill a gap and I need to be valuable. So that's where I kind of found an angle. Okay. I mean, we can't we can't ignore that the check is also there. Oh, yeah. Big fact. <laughs> I, always, I always say, because I, I talk to people, I'm just like, the curve with like between agile professionals and developers, right? I said, you're going to jump out mm-hmm. on developers. And... Everybody's going to look at you kind of crazy at first, but then you kind of just like level off here. And depending on your specialty, depending on how well you market, you'll end up as a developer blowing past that. Mm-hmm. But it, this is to me, especially if you have the skills, the need for this makes this so much of a higher percentage earlier off. Mm-hmm. And in order for you to hit that, I, I think you have to kind of have some of those skills anyway. You have to be all, like, always be learning. You have to be a social person because now you'll be responsible for other devs and nobody wants that person or that siloed person. Like, I can do everything if you give the work to me, mm-hmm. but we can't give all the work to you. So you have to learn some of those skills anyway. Yeah, that's true. I, you know, you, you talked about the differences when people are getting paid, mm-hmm. right? Like we talked about it on the last cast where you'll jump in as a dev, as a software engineer. On the East Coast is our location, right? So price varies per location. But you'll mm-hmm. start out around that twenty-five to thirty-five dollar mm-hmm. an hour mark. You've seen a lot of people coming at that thirty bucks an hour ish mark. Then after two or three years, you can easily jump to forty five to fifty five an hour. If we're talking about contract for yeah, sure. Yeah. And even full time the market rate for three years worth of experience is still going to be above six figures, mm-hmm. you know, in that 100 to $150,000 mark. What's interesting, my observation, I'm curious your observation, my observation is that 
with like the agile scrum master route, you get a bigger kick sometimes up front. Indeed. Like like you they you may come in at like ninety mm-hmm. or something, and then once you get to one fifty, it seems to be a little harder to excel at that point. Like is that right? Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. You have to you have to start to either jump to other spots to see who's in bad need. And see, the, the thing about jumping companies as an agile professional versus a developer is that if I jump from company to company, all I, as a developer, all I got is code, right? So I don't care how bad your processes are. It doesn't care how bad the leadership is. As I advance, I get good at my craft. And you say, I need you to build this. That is all I have to worry about. What you'll find with the address jobs is like a lot of the spots that have the ridiculous pay jumps where you're like, okay, yeah, that's the you sitting there rubbing your hands like burn, all right, this is the next move. <laughs> and you talk to some people like, hey man, there's a reason that salary is so high. They're dysfunctional. <laughs> they have no idea what they're doing. And they want you to fix it, or they want you to come in and be complicit and not fix it. <laughs> and just deal with their system. But now they can tell their shareholders and they can tell everybody else, hey, we're agile, look at the talent that we're bringing in. You're only bringing them in because you're overpaying them. So at that, and I always say at that point, it becomes peace of mind or peace of mind. Like, do, do I want to take a little less so that I can be in a position that makes sense? Or do I want to go take the chunk and take the money but and kind of be miserable and have my hands tied at certain positions? Hmm. And I think you said something else that was interesting, too, about that, um, that software engineer jump earlier on. Because I think it's very difficult. You know, you deal with imposter syndrome. Mm-hmm. Like especially as a dev, you come, might come out of a boot camp versus like a four-year program, whatever the case may be. So on the market at year two or year three, you're worth that 40 to 45. Mm-hmm. But now you're saying, most people are sitting there like, well, can, can An I? hour. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. But now you're sitting there like, can I jump? Are they, are they going to realize that I need stack overflow like this? <laughs> are they going to realize that sometimes I really don't know? But, but they will, but j- that jump gets really scary. Yeah, it, it is. And, and a lot of... The- a lot of the times you do have to perform at what you're charging. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. You know, like it's not, that's a valid fear. Mm-hmm. You know, I've, I've talked to tons of guys, I've talked to you before. Like if you're going to take the pay raise, it's awesome that you got the interview. It's awesome that you're able to pass through the interview. One of the things you really got to consider, if you're going to take the job, can you do the job? That requires honest self-reflection. And is really the most difficult part sometimes, especially if you're one of those few Technical people, technical devs who are really good at interviewing, who are really interpersonal, are, are good at winning at the interview side. Mm-hmm. If you can't follow it up, <laughs> then you're, you're going to be out of a job very quickly. Indeed. Which is one of the reasons why I always say that I love tech, because it is based on what you actually know. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't know. You, you touched on something interesting while you were talking. It sparked an idea about, like... Some of these tech jobs, it's not just in the agile world, it's across software engineering and everything. They put a ton on you. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of dysfunctional stuff happening in tech, which I think people are speaking of as more like this toxicity mm-hmm. within tech. So I'm just curious to hear from you. What are some of like your big tech toxic moments? Uh, so, you know, and I, I work for what they see to be the evil empire. Right. Like uh-huh. before I joined the bank, everybody was like, whatever you do, like we know we looking to leave, you looking to leave wherever you at, whatever yeah. you do, don't yeah. go there. 
We don't say what bake, but yeah. we got a lot of well, bakes around us. Yeah, you can chop there. We but, got a lot but of bakes, but, but the bakes, they have a reputation. Yeah, a crazy reputation. <laughs> but And I have been very, very happy. I'm, I'm going to have one Evil Empire moment where I'm like, oh, that's what they were talking about. And they fixed it. They pulled that out real quick in two seconds. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, okay. I, I say that because I've had such an excellent experience being here, right? Mm-hmm. But it's, it's about what you appear to be versus what you actually are. When you're in a process change leader, you're a change agent, as they call it, you kind of come in with a sense of optimism. Like, hey, if I identify the flaws, they brought me here because they want to fix the flaws. And because they want to fix the flaws, they'll allow me to fix the flaws. That's it, the non-toxic thought process. Exactly. Yeah. And then you get there, you just say, hey, man, do y'all realize that your oil's leaking? And you're just like, mm-hmm. Yeah, we like it that way. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's not just, yeah, we know it's there and we're trying to fix it. Sometimes... Mm-hmm. But sometimes they be like, yeah, we like it that mm-hmm. way. It's supposed to be that This way. is how we budget. <laughs> what do you mean? Oh, yeah, this is how we plan work. But they don't have work. What do you mean this is how you plan work? So that's like, that's one of those things. And, I, and from, a, from a, a dev standpoint, I kind of see it from like an architectural level where you're responsible for setting like those runways and that standpoint. Hey, this is what we're going to do moving forward. These are the major platforms we're going to use as a company. And then they're just like, nah. Well, why not? I've given them full out. We don't have a good relationship with them. Mm. I can go make it. And that's like when we previously worked together, that was something that I was often focused on. Hey, I'll go make those relationships. Y'all can focus on everything else. But this is these are the conversations we need to be having. Mm. So that, that makes sense from the, the job perspective, right? Like mm-hmm. me having to work a job, there's definitely toxicity and just even how the company expects you to fulfill your obligations a lot of times. Mm-hmm. But what about from the interpersonal perspective, like colleagues in tech? Have you noticed any patterns and personas? Like, I mean, I can give you one, an opinion. This is something I've been thinking about. Right? Like, I've been thinking a lot about hustle culture. Copy. Right. Now, full disclosure, y'all. I think I was an unknown, very high advocate for hustle culture. My bad. <laughs> like, that was just kind of... That was just... <laughs> That was just kind of who okay. I who I am, who I, I was. I tell a story about that, about the, you. If, you, if they, well, <laughs> you get there. You can let the stories out. Yeah. It's fine. But I'm saying the the, the bad side of hustle culture, because I yeah. think there's good sides of hustle culture. Agreed. I believe in the hustle. Indeed. I believe in working hard. And I'm, and I'm firm on that. I hate laziness, right? But when it comes to <laughs> this whole, the toxic side of hustle culture, as in, yeah, you should work until, you know, who cares about your family? Mm-hmm. <laughs> who cares about what sacrifices you have to make? Let's sacrifice every other metric of success except monetary gain. Yeah. And just put it all in on that. Those toxic mm-hmm. sides. And we're going to do whatever we need to do. Sacrifice however many hours. Lose however many nights of sleep in order to get there. That manifests in a tech organization. 100%. I see it a lot in a lot of companies and I, I see companies that are balanced with it because mm-hmm. there's always time that you have to work harder than not. Yeah. And those are the companies you want to be for. But what have you seen on the other side, the toxic side of that? So I always say buzzwords kill companies, mm-hmm. right? Buzzwords drive a lot of that toxicity, that overwork, that underappreciation. Um, I, do, I think agile is a buzzword, unfortunately, in my world. Um, especially because it always is going to trickle down to your, your development team. And the way I see it, you promise certain things to your shareholders. You promise certain things. Hey, we're going to be agile by 2023. Well, what does that mm-hmm. mean? 
Well, it means that, and then you'll get the KPIs. It means that this box gets checked, this box gets checked, and this box gets checked. So, however we meet that, mm-hmm. they'll never hear about. But at the end of the day, my responsibility, and, and I, I think to that point, siloed structures within companies, like, hey, I don't know what they do over there, but this is what we do over here. That's what drives that 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 toxicity. Hey, over here, we work 50 hours, 60 hours a week. This is just what we do on my on, on this CRL side, or this is what we do on this in this organization. Mm-hmm. But why? Because we have overpromised. It always comes down to personality of the leader. I have overpromised, and now y'all got to figure out a way to make it happen. I try, I, and it comes across. But well, we believe in our team. Mm-hmm. We hire excellent people, and we're gonna burn them out yep. so that we can get exactly what we want. Yeah, it's funny because I, I, it it always seems to come from pretty simple things usually. Someone on the business side that doesn't actually understand the amount of work that goes into accomplishing whatever their goal is. You know, they they have a vision, which is great. You need people that are visionaries. Mm -hmm. But they they will not trust the people that actually do the work to define the timelines. Yeah. And we... I, I talk about this with customers a lot. Like, it's very difficult. You can't really, when you're talking to your team and assigning expectations... You can't really say this is what I want, and this is how long you gotta take to do it. Mm-hmm. All right. I wrote an article about that. You there is it? no other. Yeah, it's it's on. I think Medium or LinkedIn, one of them. No, it's so, um, there's no other facet of your life but that you would do that. These same powerful people in these positions, they might know. Hey, I need my oil changed. I need electrical work done. I need plumbing work. But mm-hmm. when you bring the electrician into your house. What do you tell them? Hey, I need a switch to control that light. What you don't say is, I need a switch to control that light by the end of the day, and it has to run through this panel behind that shower hat and up here. Why? Mm-hmm. Because you trust the professional, the person who does this with their hands every single day, to get it done. Mm-hmm. So for some odd reason, I don't know if it's because tech is so new or because whatever the case may be, they get very prescriptive into these things and then... You end up on one or two sides of it. You, they tell that thing, I need it done this way by now to people like you. And you go, <laughs> no, that's not going to happen. Or yeah. they tell it to other people who may not have the experience and, and the the ability to, to push back or no representat- representation to push back for them. And they go, okay. Mm. And then at the end of the process, they go, well, why don't we have it? And they knew good and well because they're educated. You were never going to have this. I just didn't want to tell see, you then. See, that's something I have a hard time understanding. Because, you know, I'm a firm advocate of saying no. Indeed. When appropriate, kindly, okay, and with respect. But you need to say no. <laughs> At times, it's, yeah. it's just, it has to happen. You, you'll you end up hurting other people. But, hey, you, you talked about the people that really have difficulty saying no, and I'm always so curious to understand this. <laughs> Why is it so difficult to, to say no? Is it fear yes. of meeting expectations? What is the fear? It's, first off, it's a form of confrontation, right? Mm-hmm. So whether this is not necessarily heads clashing, but yeah. you've requested one thing, and I'm telling you that's not a that's not a possibility. So there's mm-hmm. going to be more dialogue, more anxious moments, more uncomfortability that comes as a result of my answer. When I can delay the consequence of this until later, it, it doesn't disappear. But I don't got to deal with it right now. Mm-hmm. That's just human nature, mm-hmm. right? On top of that comes the fear of losing one's job because if we all don't if i say no it's my fault we don't you don't get it 
if we all don't give it to you at the end, we gotta share some of this blame. And now we, my team, is the reason that you can give it. You can get it. Yeah. So you can kind of split that that blame out then. But at the end of the day, I've all like you. I've always believed it's better to have those conversations and set the expectations up front because mm-hmm. you're st- the answer is still going to be no, or not yet, or yes, but. We can do this, but and I you know I've always I bring up that scope triangle all the time. Hey, if you want to change the scope, I need more money to hire more people to help us, or I need more time to get this done. If you want to take away my time, you need to take away the scope. Like things like that nature, and that those visual representations help people understand those things. But a lot of people don't feel represented. You know, people got stuff going on at home. I don't want to people lose just my job. Get, uh, getting sensitive. You yeah, know? exactly. It's sensitive to these things. That's confrontational. That's probably what it is. I'm probably confrontational. You are very confrontational. Very confrontational. <laughs> I'm very confrontational. You are very confrontational. <laughs> we haven't worked together in years. We haven't worked together in years. I wonder if my current colleagues will complain. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to ask them speak to that if one. they will say that I'm very... Well, let, I you want to hear what you say. You know you used well, to have a saying. I, I probably did. I'm, I'm not remembering this moment. But I'm sure you're going to tell us. Yeah. But I want to hear what you mean by... I. Very confrontational. All right, confrontational might be a, a harsh word there, but we, we always we decided to perfect it, like joke about it. Somebody would say something, and, and not like you were just wrong or you were just picking at things to pick at things. Because yeah, like my in my role currently, I have to pick at things to pick at things because hmm. I have to make sure you're seeing the entire picture. But oftentimes, they, oh well, Gerald and team, we need X Y Z done, and I'm telling you straight like that. He come, hmm, I challenge that. <laughs> <laughs> And I don't mind you. It's just a regular word. I know. I, but it's it not even a so, saying. It happens so often. Oh. And I'm telling you, I've been in tech for three months at this point. <laughs> Every single conversation in these rooms t- sounds like Mandarin and a little Arabic with a little mix of Spanish. I'm trying to catch words as I can. And I'm just like, I can feel the flow of the meeting. And it's just like, boom, I challenge that. So now I'm like... <laughs> All right, what's what's going on? So like that happened so often, but it was always healthy. See, I believe yeah. those things are healthy. It we, was it was effective. Always was, very, you know, very, very, very. And I didn't think of it as being confrontational. I think it's interesting that we, that we use the term, and it, it may not be the right word. It may be the right word. I don't yeah. know. But the the motive behind those things, and I think this ends up being the difference between if someone calls you a jerk or <laughs> a not or not a jerk. <laughs> Is that, are you asking questions if you need to challenge something? Are you challenging it because you actually care? Mm -hmm. Or are you challenging it just to be a jerk? Just to make someone else look bad? Just to, you know, all of those things, right? We all work with both of those people. We have worked with with both of those people before. Uh, I think it's important. I I recommend more people say, challenge things, you know. Especially if it's genuine, mm-hmm. just to ask a question. You don't even have to challenge anything. In order to challenge something, okay, you do have to know a little bit about what you're indeed, talking about. Indeed, you can't, you can't just walk <laughs> around challenging stuff and you don't have any idea what you're talking about. But so, by the second or third challenge, like, hey man, have have a seat, <laughs> chill, chill out, chill out. You, you need to relax. All right, without stopping to beat the gift. But there's a version of this where you you can say you know just pose a question. Like, why is that important to us? I used to say that a lot, especially yeah. early in my career. Why is that important to us? Because genuinely, I want to know why it's important to us. I don't currently understand. And please explain it to me. Yes. <laughs> like, it's a great like, question. This, 
that's more disarming. As you kind of learn more things, you get to the point in your career where you and other intelligent technical people, technical people, will disagree, mm-hmm. right? When you disagree, that's when you may have to bring out, hey, I challenge that with respect because I think that this technical decision could lead us down a bad pathway. Mm-hmm. But in the beginning, I, I recommend being, if, if that's what being confrontational is, I mm-hmm. recommend being a bit confrontational up front. In, inqui- inquisitive. Yes. I, I think I would say instead. Yes. I, I mean, I definitely agree with being inquisitive, but I, I think because maybe how I say it or something, I've gotten this view, and just generally like a presence in a room or something yeah. that it could be perceived as confrontational. I don't know what that's about, but it exists. I, I think we can always work on our tone and yeah. all that good stuff. Right? I don't even think it's necessarily <laughs> the way you say it or that it comes across because you're never just like, I challenge, like, it's never like amped yeah. up or anything. But I think status quo is leader speaking, SME is speaking, and taking us through. Now, we might have questions, but we'll figure it out along the way or at the end. And you typically don't wait for the end. Mm-hmm. When it, The second it stops making sense or the second that there's a question, it's just like, like you should. Hey, can you explain this? Yeah. This doesn't quite add up with the thing we were talking about before. Yeah, I actually think that's a great point because you're calling that I specifically, this is my strategy for challenging things. Uh, my strategy for challenging things is if someone states an assumption, first of all, thank you for stating your assumption because now at least I know what you're operating off of. Mm-hmm. Second of all, I may or may not agree with that assumption. If I disagree with the assumption or question the assumption that all of your data after this statement is going to be Based about. On- I gotta stop. I now. gotta ask I gotta you. Stop it I gotta ask you about that assumption right there. What was that that you just said, yeah. ma'am? What was that you just said, sir? What? Where did? Okay, so you're saying that, you know, quantum mechanics is the future of everything based mm-hmm. on the assumption that you know all telephones that were ever created were blue. Like I don't agree with that assumption. I don't even know how they made that leap. I don't know yeah. how it connects. Where are we going? And it's an extreme example. Yeah, but, <laughs> but that's when you're that in these happens. rooms that talking about happens. stuff. This is that's the craziest stuff you'll see. You'll hear about this is how this ties to our corporate objective. Just for folks on the line, right? That these these companies that everyone works for mm-hmm. releases these company objectives like every year. Yeah, they talk about all the the profits, where they plan on putting the money, blah blah blah, and they tell their uh, corporate objective. So at the time when we're working, our corporate objective is digital transformation. We're going to do this and yada, yada, yada. Old bucket. So that's the thing that everyone's trying to tie this to, right? So you had to initially validate the assumption of what the heck is visual, <laughs> digital transformation? Yep. What are we talking about? What does it mean for organizations, for people, for processes, for the type of technologies we're using? What does that mean for all of that to change? Buzzword. Yeah. Digital transformation. As, as a buzz term, I guess. I can't say buzz word. But yeah. it's it's a, like, what does that actually mean? And how are we actually going to get there? Yes. Because if you don't define it now, we're going to end up somewhere that feels like it's under that bucket, but mm-hmm. we can't really identify it. Yep. And as, as someone, if you're working in an organization and you don't understand, ask the question. Ask the question because later on, you're going to be expected to know mm-hmm. that context. <laughs> and you're going to be expected to be able to say why you're doing what you're doing. So if you don't ask it, and if you don't agree with the core message, you know, one of two things. Either you get on another 
project or team that maybe you do agree with that core message or you start looking for other jobs. I don't, yeah. Or you don't care and just do the job. That is also a very, very viable option. <laughs> it's impossible for, for anyone, I hope that makes sense, it's, it's impossible for anyone to advance in their role without understanding. Hmm. So any, I, got to, I can tell you from, I've, I've watched job descriptions, I've written job descriptions, I've done a lot of things for different companies to where I'll give you an example where you might see an associate software engineer mm-hmm. and it's can do development work with the assistance of a senior lead. And then you get software engineer and it's can do software work without assistance from a senior lead. Senior is can, leads development work while teaching and assisting others with their software work. Mm-hmm. So that's the natural progression, and you can only get there through understanding. And that doesn't mean just in, in a developer sense, understanding of the code you're writing. Mm-hmm. It means understanding, like you mentioned, of our overall objectives. Because as you progress in whatever field you're in, whatever company you're in, they're going to want to know how your skill set of technology and software specifically can help them achieve that bucket goal that they were talking about before. It's not enough just that you write really, really good, clean code. Mm-hmm. Now we need to know what do you know, what's out there. That you can attach to this goal that's going to shoot our revenue up. Mm-hmm. That's how you progress through a company. Yeah. It's interesting. It's interesting you said that. The, it's unfortunate that not all software engineering job descriptions fit what you just mm-hmm. said. That like I wish that they did because that senior software engineer side, being able to teach others, that teach word instead of just lead because I see leadership mm-hmm. looks weird in organizations nowadays. Looks yep. people are, are jacked up, but just your ability to teach someone is I think fundamental to a senior position. Mm-hmm. But in certain roles it's not. In certain roles you ha- you're just a single contributor. You're a mercenary. And you're slanging code. That's it. We we like you were like Bro. we're gonna drop you off in the middle of a jungle, tie a bandana around you and go yes. tell you to do the thing. Like you're yes. you're literally a merc. At some companies as that yes. lead developer. That's great because some people have really, really interesting use cases and really difficult stuff that they need that Merc to go in and mm-hmm. take care of. But everybody else, they're not fighting with you yeah. because you are not taking time to, to get them and take them through. They're yeah. watching the movie with the rest of us hoping that you succeed. And believe me, those, those people, they do not care about <laughs> teaching nobody. You you are fortunate to get some of their time. Yeah. They're like, look, I'm here to... to do my job and then leave. Exactly. And who knows what the, I don't want to know what they do once they leave. Mm-hmm. To the next. But they're field. they're legitimately just contract to contract, even full time. I know yeah. a lot of full time mercs. Yeah. That they put they have to put them even under special categories yeah. in the organization. Yeah. So that they're left alone from a lot of <laughs> administrative min- minutia. Like this is if you get elite. So if yeah. you get to the top of single contributor roles. Mm-hmm. You can get some very interesting, but that that requires a lot of work. I say that requires like a that. lot of the hustle culture. You better be like that. Yeah, you got to be real nice, and you got to be real nice over about twenty years. Yeah, got the track record. That consistency, man. Yeah, it's just it's interesting because I never thought that would be a thing in agile either. Mm-hmm. But there are agile works too, hmm. like coaches who, and of course, like a lot of people will salary hot. But like, there's like, you know how they use like headhunters, like mm-hmm. you have a salesperson who has a great sales record, and oh, he does X, Y, Z. The second he becomes available, we're gonna go get them. They're mm-hmm. that way in the coaching space and the RTE space too. Mm-hmm. Their their people are waiting. 
waiting. The second they see that LinkedIn turn a little weird, or that you go to a mixer, or how's everything going over there? Okay, we know we need help. And they're waiting, they're telling their leadership, wait, the second that we get room, this is who we can bring in if we want to make changes. Because a lot of these, due to social media, um, podcast, stuff like this, mm-hmm. a lot of people have names. Mm-hmm. So you might have read somebody's article in your journey to tr- trying to be a better agile professional. You might have read or listened to somebody's video or podcast, whatever the case may be. So now they put that person in front of you and they're hoping the morale boost pulls mm-hmm. everybody alongside. So wow, that's, that's interesting, man. I'm curious. I love to ask people all this question just because I, I feel like this stuff is stuff people don't talk about. Right. What are the most, what's the most interesting interviews or job offers you've ever had and been through? What was that? Mm, interesting. All right. So this is recent. Okay. And I, you, you have reminded me to keep companies out of this. But um, <laughs> about four weeks ago, I went and got my SPC. So the SBC is safe or scaled agile framework. It's their top certification. It's a mastery level certification, mm-hmm. which means that I can now train and certify people in safe, right? Okay. Now they have like SBCT fellows. Those are people who are like, it's like an elitist group like at the top of people who like set the standards, write the articles, do a lot of those things that which gets handed down in that information. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I um, the class I took for my SBC was by Dean Leftingwell, the, the head of All Safe, mm-hmm. and he was just like, we had some. Bro, I love you, man, but I hate agile, bro. I know. I don't. Okay, I don't hate it. I just hate like you're talking about this, and I, like I feel this welling up inside me, and I want the people to know. And I want you to know that even though I still love you so yeah, much, bro, indeed. you're my brother. Always. Okay. That I despise what Agile has become. When you said safe, mm-hmm. I felt the hair stand up on the back of my neck. Dog, if it ain't catchy, don't nobody not, want it. You know, not because safe is so terrible or scrum is so terrible. Whatever Agile methodology deal you want to do, whatever. Mm-hmm. It's just, I feel like it's gotten so far from what it was intended to be because it's so difficult to scale up what the original principles were. Yeah. Well, I mean, and I think people make it hard. Yeah. I don't think it needs to be. Mm -hmm. Agile at its base is constant feedback and constant change in a variable, unstable world of technology or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's it's the very thought of complex versus complicated. If I'm building Mm -hmm. a skyscraper and I got 10 stories, that's not complex, It's it's complicated. It's like one floor, two floor, three floor. We know what's happening. I'm building software. That's where complicated becomes complex. And I need constant checks to say, hey, the thing we build, do we still want it? All right, do people still need it? All right, does this still make sense? That's at its core what any Agile is. So those are the positive aspects of it. I agree with all that. All yeah. that you just said, I agree with. What I see Agile and Safe becoming now is a way to uh, track team productivity that then Ew. gets tied back to incentives, which is not what Ew. you're really supposed to be doing. Absolutely not. But on the business side, and in these companies, ends up happening. Mm-hmm. So now we're now when we're supposed to be just being open and honest and having these retrospectives where everyone can feel free and clear to talk talk about mistakes, mm-hmm. all that good stuff. They know in the back of their head that their boss's boss. And above is looking at those overall metrics that are being captured. Yeah. Via Scrum, whatever, and using it to grade people in their productivity based on features that they picked up. Yeah. That's the manifestation that I've seen that I don't like. And I'm not saying it's everywhere. Yeah. I'm not saying that, that all agile is bad. 
I'm saying the people that have taken it, taken it in order to accomplish that end, it sickens me. And so what agile, how people talk about agile ends up becoming annoying to me. Yeah, because you're just like, like marshmallows and rainbows and let's all get together and, and get fast feedback. And you're just like, hey man, these meetings yeah. suck. These, <laughs> these scrum masses suck. Why are there so many suck? meetings? Yeah, it, exactly. We went from one stand up. Okay, that we're having every morning. Okay, fine. Now it's one stand-up a week. For, then now it's one stand-up every morning. And that's fine. But then we have retros. And then we have all this stuff. And why is there so many freaking sticky notes? It's sticky around, notes. There's so many sticky notes. Virtual or in real life. I don't know which one annoys me more. Definitely virtual for me. And, and I'm, I'm sitting here. I'm <laughs> like, okay, what? what why? We're still... Visibility. Bro, you read... You read okay, you read extreme programming. You read, you read like... The agile. I mean, I'm a certified scrum master. I still don't want to talk about it. It's one of those things I'm traumatized <laughs> about. But I went through. I went through the coursework. It's probably yeah. old. But I'm saying <laughs> that you. All of these meetings turned into okay. How can we as the business? I'm reading the scrum thing, and I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, this is great. I'm like, man, well, man, this is this is good. This is good stuff. Yeah, it's applying extreme programming principles. Yeah, I like the pair of programming. I even I ain't gonna even get down with test driven development, especially on back end mm-hmm. services. Maybe a little more annoying on the front end, but whatever. Yeah, we'll just we'll just make it happen. But then it's like, okay, we need this meeting, and we need this meeting, then we need to track these metrics, and then we're gonna have this exercise. We're and then we brought in all the design thinking stuff, and then they started trying to like mix design thinking and agile and put it together in some nice agile design pie i think they were moving too fast for that one. I, yeah. I just all of it it was like bro what just happened to us sitting down and programming together having these user stories having these personas to make sure that the features we were building matter yeah and then having daily check-ins to make sure that we're all thinking about this the same way and then every week or two let's have a retro you have opened up a hole that is a bigger issue with the enactors of agile Mm-hmm. Than Agile itself. It's like... Agile itself is such a basic framework that it's pure. Mm-hmm. Right? The diff- That's why there's so many different flavors of it. Because so many people have so many different ways to enact this very, very basic idea. And then they start tacking on top of it. To where I, I would ask you... If not for all those meetings... And I know people... Like, I think the only thing that's worse than them having so many meetings is that when they hear the word ceremony... Like, uh, stop calling us a freaking ceremony, Oh, my dog. gosh. What am I at a wedding? Yeah. Like, what are we talking about? Kindergarten graduation? Who's walking me down the aisle? Do I don't I get a sash? What, what are we saying? Like, I don't want to go to a ceremony if I don't get, like, a sash or no. something. But <laughs> to that point, if we don't discuss these things there, if we don't retro there, when do we do it? Mm-hmm. So that's always my question. And, and to the point of what I was making, so many people just take the book and they go... All right, guys, today we're going to have a stand-up. Dev Hulk, what did you do today? (laughs) Yep. What did you do? You're going to do the same thing tomorrow? Okay. Mm -hmm. Do you need help? No. You're you're mad I'm talking to you. Okay, cool. (laughs) And and that's what it goes through because people don't dig. And people don't have... And that interpersonal skill makes a lot. Like, I always tell people, like, especially when I was a scrum master, I'm like, I have the most worthless, worst job in the world. Like, I'm really happy and well compensated. <laughs> but I'm like, I have none of the value to add. I, I don't add any value from a work perspective. I don't know. The product owner knows what we need. Y'all know how we build it. I'm just here to make sure y'all talk. I have no value add here outside of that. 
And on top of that, they expect me to lead you with no managerial responsibility or oversight. I can't fire none of y'all. I can't reprimand none of y'all. And to that point, that's why every scrum master deals with the team where it's like four or five people are on board and is the person in the corner like, hey, I have a few choice words. I won't say because I'm on the clock, but don't talk to me. Yeah. And then you end up like, what do I do in that situation? So if you have people who are doing it right with that core belief of cover your team, receive instant feedback, and let the people who know what they're doing do the thing, and they stay out of it, those are when things normally work the best. All right, we back. Had a minor hiccup with the the video and audio real quick. I'll let you go ahead and take away. You're talking about metrics and the issues with Agile. Yeah, I, I think it can produce a lot of micromanaging. Mm -hmm. And that's the part that everybody hates. And that's the part that everybody holds on to. Like, stop asking me questions. Like, I remember I had a team. <laughs> I had a team where... I was I came on because another scrum master they had to remove him because he was constantly butting heads with the um, product managers mm -hmm. and I team of about six or seven and I'm I'm a lot I'm a very laid back person mm -hmm. right especially in the professional setting because I believe in not over talking mm -hmm. and I, I hate it I hate when people feel like they have to speak so that everybody knows like hey I'm aware of what we're talking about in this conversation it's like nah dog we, we can just talk and you don't have to keep jumping into this mm -hmm. so oftentimes especially because of my development background we might have a stand up hey eight minutes everybody good this is what the board says should have been done around this time everybody good here they might need help all right and i'm working on other stuff i'm preparing reports i'm talking to business leaders i'm helping them get their stuff right so we can get like what they call like that clean burning fuel in front of the team so you're mm -hmm. not wondering what comes next i can just go get it and I'll have a, a, a team member come tap me on my shoulder like twice a day. Like mm -hmm. once, like maybe two hours after the stand-up and once like an hour before I went home. And he would come to me, hey, Corey. I'm like, what's up, man? Yeah, so, you know, I was working on such and such and um, I got this done. I had a little issue here, but I'm waiting on bro from over there. Like, cool. Oh, I'm trying to be like, mm -hmm. all right, sweet. At the end of the day, hey, man, yeah, I, I talked to dude at the end of the joint and he told me he was going to help me with X, Y, Z and... I'm good going in tomorrow. I'm like, cool. Mm -hmm. I have like two weeks straight. And after like two weeks, I'm like, hey, man, like, is there, I'm, I'm doing stuff. Like, is there a reason that you keep, come keep talking to me? You can't say that as a scrum master because you exist to help the team. But like, is there a reason that you keep giving me these updates? <laughs> Why are like, you talking to me so yeah, much? Yeah, so much. Like, I'm not your boss. <laughs> That's number one. And number two, sometimes like you they think you are the boss, though. I have seen. You, so, sometimes, seen sometimes they think you're the boss. Like, both the person in that position may think they're the boss. And sometimes I think the team looks at them like the boss until they realize they're not. I have no power. And I think the term scrum master gives some really eerie, weird vibes. It like, does. I, I mean, remember, it literally has the word master. It has the word master in it. Like, they, yeah. they have to be responsible for something. Yeah. So, in that point, he's just like, nah, this is just what the old scrum master used to ask us to do. And I'm like, so it just so happened that, like, we had, like, our retro or, like, another meeting come up. I'm just like... Were you guys used to giving? I wasn't like calling him a liar. I'm like, this is weird. I've never seen it before. Like, how often were you guys giving updates to bro? They're <laughs> like, well, first off, he would make us make every single story we write one point, Jeez. so that he could see as we finished every single thing. Then he would make us do this, what, this, this, and that, and we'd have to come talk. Or he would walk by us, and he would come. Hey, so what? What you got going on? What you doing? Bro. Okay, cool. Oh my god. And I'm just like, and y'all ain't choke him out. 
three like three days in, mm-hmm. and they're just like, we just thought this is regular. No, and and I, I'll swing it back with another point because uh, the the thing that separates people who do scrum versus agile professionals and people who really get it is the ability to affect a person's heart and mind. If a person feels comfortable being represented, if a person feels like they have air cover to speak back and speak up like we talked about earlier mm-hmm. and not get pushed back on themselves, if you hold that umbrella on them, on, on my train, I'm responsible for our third largest revenue train in all of my, my um, institution, right? Mm-hmm. We have 85% of our teams work in India from a development standard. Hmm. I'm one of four that are in Charlotte. Hmm. All of our product managers are in California. And I think we have one in Scranton, Pennsylvania. <laughs> so friend. Right? <laughs> okay. So I got a I got a um I got a scrum master in Atlanta. I got a scrum master in Isn't that Jersey. The office? Isn't Scranton like the yeah, that's where that's that's where it's from. It's in Pennsylvania too. Scranton, right? Pennsylvania. Yeah. Oh wow. The Electric City. What? <laughs> yeah. So, so that's I, I had to ask. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, that, that's the only reason you know what Scranton <laughs> yeah, is. Yeah, is because right. of the office. Like even the back of your body. <laughs> so, um, I'm talking to my PMs, and I can't get them to uh, come to this comp, this meeting that we have where we work on the epics and the big buckets of work that come down the line. Right? I can't get them to attend my meeting, mm. and I'm talking to one of them. And she's just like, well, I asked her, I said, well, when do you talk to the team about what work's coming up? She goes, and they're stand-ups. I go, you're attending team stand-ups? And she's like, yeah. I go to look at my calendar. I'm like, these team stand-ups are at 7 a.m. Eastern time. Mm. You're waking up at 4 a.m. to attend these calls? Well, yeah, I thought I had to. I said, I promise you, you will never have to do that again. If you come here at 2 o'clock, which is, I think, 11 mm-hmm. West Coast time, you'll never have to do that again if you come to this one meeting. She ain't missed a meeting since. <laughs> but those are the hearts and minds. Those are now, of course, because of the time differential, you kind of, they kind of expect you, like, hey, we know you're on the West Coast, but you work on Eastern because where the headquarters is. They get that. But at the same time, if I can free up an hour of your morning every single time, you're going to perk up and pay attention here. So it's about finding the things of each and every individual that you're responsible for and finding how to make them or, or assist them in doing what they want to do. No, it makes sense, man. So you t- you're talking about the scrum masters who came from being bad project managers. Facts. <laughs> Facts. Like, they're, they're like, oh, man, this project management thing, that's... It might be going away. Uh, mm-hmm. What am I going to do? I might as well get this Scrum Master cert. Mm-hmm. Switch over to this Scrum Master role. There's a lot of companies that just switch the title just of project them. managers to Scrum Masters. And that's why I tell people all the time. I'm like, I'm, I'm well-versed. Like, I, I I have all my safe certs and agile certs. I'm PMP certified. I'm PMI ACP certified. I have both. I have project management certificate, mastery certifications and agile. Mm-hmm. So... When you're trying to bump head and you're going like, well, oh, that's just the agile way to do it. Oftentimes, I'm just like, you want me to bring the PMI book to you? Because this is the thing that's allowing you to work in your capacity is this Bible right here. And I can <laughs> find you exactly what you're trying to avoid because you want to do it your way. Do you so, sound a little confrontational there? I, I mean, so <laughs> confrontational in those situations. That's me. Oh, yeah. 100%. Mm-mm. Because, like, you're... It's one of those situations, and I, I, I ain't going to put you back on the spot, but I know you're in a situation. Yeah. When you talk at a certain level because you believe other people don't understand, 
So you're not wishing to inform because if you were wishing to inform, you go, well, Corey, you know, the, the PMO, our PMO just doesn't do that. These are the documents that kind of support so you can get on board. But you're just trying to talk above and I have to explain. Yeah. So now we're going to have to fact check some of this. Okay, well, let's bring the documents to really see how we move here. Oh, it's this way? Mm -hmm. You got your luck. That's <laughs> profound, it's profoundly frustrating. And there's, depending on how old the organization is that you're in, they have policies that were put in place 100 years ago. Yeah. That they're still following today, and nobody knows why. <laughs> no, Nobody understands why are we still doing this today. Mm -hmm. So, and, and But no one's brave enough to ask, hey, uh, excuse me, what? Why are we doing this? And then they say, oh, because X, Y, Z. That's how we do it every quarter. Some other mm -hmm. generic answer like that. And you're like, but wh why is it important? Why, like, what? And so if you actually end up tracing it back, a lot of the time, it was due to some uh, auditing regulation, some yeah. audit that happened back however many years ago that Somebody raised a red flag, red flag. They were trying to solve a specific problem that everyone forgot they were trying to solve. And this policy was the best way to do it at the time. Yeah. It, it, and that's good. It was reasonable at the time. But now, if we actually ask this question, that problem I was trying to solve, there's a lot of different ways to solve that problem now. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of newer, better approaches that we can use to solve that problem. But no one even is brave enough to ask the question, why this thing exists. And I'll ask you, because something that has affected me, and I've watched affect other people, especially in the development realm, is that of degrees. Yeah. We've been requiring degrees for inside positions at this company or, or corporate positions at this company since XYZ. Mm -hmm. Now, mind you, the landscape tells you, you go to the, the big players in this game, the big dogs in this game, they don't care where you went to college. No. They don't care if you went to college. They care that you can do the job because mm -hmm. they know how fast this is moving and they got money to make. Yep. So, in those, I, and I ask you to ask, how important do you feel now that you've kind of traveled through some of, of the landscape and on various different roles? Do you feel that that comp side degree or or that how that plays into those ancient roles of needing to be changed? Man, that's a jump I wasn't expecting. Yeah, but take that. I, <laughs> I do have feelings about degrees. I honestly, it, depending on the type of degree you're getting. Mm. This is what I tell everybody. Depending on the type of degree you're getting, it may or may not be valuable. Right? If you're getting a computer science degree, it's on the more valuable side of degrees you can get. Indeed. Okay, you know, that person getting that liberal arts degree or something, degree degree in communications, that's a little bit more, you know, annoying, a little, little mm -hmm. tickle of annoyance in the ears when I get told that. But <laughs> just because you, you could have gotten that skill set within six months and yeah. then actually been putting to work and making money that... Skills. Anyway, that's a whole other thing. But if you're going to be a doctor or a lawyer, of course, yeah. get your degree. It's a valuable degree. You need it. Please get it. Please okay? Get it. I want you to be that educated. I want you to touch if, me if you don't yeah, got it. Don't touch me if you don't got it. All right? And, and read a little more even on top of it, right? <laughs> like, do research specific to me, yeah. right, if you're a doctor or a lawyer. But if you are just trying to make more money for your family mm -hmm. and you want to do that as quickly as possible... A degree isn't necessary if you're trying to do it in tech. You can, you know, really, I've seen multiple people do this, myself included, educate yourself and in a year, year and a half, be in a job making money. Big facts. 
Year, year and a half. I've seen it happen less, but I'd mm-hmm. always say, I'd say, think about it in terms of a year and a half. If you really put in this grind, mm-hmm. that includes the boot camp, that includes looking for jobs, that includes projects, side projects, building your portfolio, yeah. that includes uh, all the further ed- education on what you actually want to specialize in, that includes networking and meeting the people you need to meet, like all those things falling into the right place to where you can get a job making 25 to $35 an hour as a software developer, software engineer, whatever. Don't think the degree is necessary. Now, that's the education opinion I have on degrees for getting in, Mm -hmm. for the entry point. Then there's the education conversation around furthering yourself in your career. Mm -hmm. Here, you know, there's different paths, okay? (laughs) If you want to just go straight software engineering path, keep learning, keep honing your craft, you can, as soon as you get that two or three years experience, you can keep progressing and get to 150,000 plus a year in a reasonable amount of time, as long as you keep. Now you're gonna have to go back and learn all those things those folks in the degree, degree learned. Mm-hmm. You're gonna need to know d- data structures and algorithms. You're gonna need to know computer science theory to a degree if you wanna get past a certain point. Yeah. Now if you just wanna always make $35 an hour, you might not have to do yeah, that. You might just have to learn how to create that, some and, buttons. And and I don't want that to stuff. be lost. Lo- Thirty five hey, has changed my hey, life. Look, I know I'm it changed. I know when I first. You. I know when I first hit that. It changed my life. Yo, real talk. <laughs> I'm not mad at you. Yeah, I think that that's okay. Uh, if you want to keep excelling, you're gonna have to choose a specialization, hmm. right? And so when you specialize, you're either gonna have to pursue further education in one of two ways. You'll get certifications in that specific area, which I think is that point in time makes a lot of sense. You should do that. Or you could get a degree uh, and a combination. Maybe you already have a bachelor's of some sort and you're just making a pivot. Maybe you want to get a master's in that and it doesn't take a lot of time. You can do it part-time, whatever. And say you love school. Fine, do that too. That's great. You can make it really far in that, especially if you want to pursue academia and mm-hmm. you know writing research for universities, things like that. But if you just want to make money, okay, if that's what we're talking about, if we're not talking about your hopes and dreams, no, Mm -mm. you do not have to get a degree in order to make money. It may make sense once you're already in and making money, Mm -hmm. or if you just have all the money in the world to go to college and do that whole thing. That's my opinion. It's a solid opinion. Yeah. (laughs) Well, look, bro, we're, we're like an hour in. To the pod already it's been awesome having you Thanks, uh the the camera my other camera went out so i'm just gonna like move this so that both of us can be in it uh it was it was awesome having you on man uh, i think as we expand the podcast we'll have even larger groups and just all the guys kicking it and talking i i realize it's absurd how many friends we have in technology yeah so it's going to be a really interesting conversation. Everybody's got their own thoughts and opinions. Uh, is there any advice, anything you'd like to leave with the people? Someone who wants to maybe get into Agile or Scrum, anything. Any advice for the people? Well, I'll say, if, they, if they're here on your channel and want to get into Agile or Scrum, <laughs> I pray for you. But <laughs> I, I say if you want to do it for the money, go ahead. Yeah. I never told you not to That's do true. it. That's facts. It, look, That's facts. All, of my, all of my homies that have said I want to do it, I want to get into Agile or Scrum, be like, cool, man. Just yeah. do your thing. Um, any advice in any agile field is going to come down to emotional intelligence. 
because if you understand pe- the process, you, you can hand it anybody. Like I've explained the process not to my mom, my, to my mother, and my mother understands it easily. It, it's not like you got a whole bunch of books back here that I can't understand, <laughs> right? But that emotional intelligence piece everybody isn't born with, but you can. It's a skill you can sharpen. So mm-hmm. read the books, do the tests, enact the things you learn, take notes, talk to people around you. That's where the, the same time that you'd have to put in um, coding is the same time in the opposite way that if you want to become really good at this. And I'm telling you, like I, I've to the point of that SBC, once you get your SBC, you're um, available for director level positions. So I've seen some director level positions around 300, 350, like some really mm-hmm. ridiculous ones be all off that one certifications. So like, there is a very high limit there. Mm-hmm. But to that point, if you don't know how to interact with people, you will always run into a wall in our side of the business because there's nothing else for me to fall back on. Like if I was a jerk of a person, but I wrote some cold code, they might deal with me. <laughs> they might deal with me for some time. Yeah. But if they expect me to be a leader of people and I'm bad at dealing with people, it's going to be a short lease. So that, that's all. That's the part I would leave with. Just work on emotional intelligence. See, now, now I, got, I got one more question because right. we didn't show this up. Because we, we talked about some of the toxic elements of hustle culture. But I want to hear the positive for you, the elements of health hustle culture, and how long you had to hustle before you had broken. Like, what's the time period of hustle? Still hustling. I mean, yeah, but, of course, but you, right? I mean, hey, Hold on, still hustling. I hear but, that. Um, to the, to the, it's not nearly as bad as it was before. But um, so specific, when I started coding, like there was, I'll I, I, tell you, it was times I come home like, look, for the next two and a half weeks, they just switched the language I'm learning again. So I'm not going to have time for anything. I'm, I'm waking up at five and six and I'm studying until it's time for me to leave to work. And I get to work, we working through my lunch, I'm flipping through some things. I get home, I'm reading and studying until it's time to go to bed. That type of hustle. Um, in the agile sense, like that, to that emotional intelligence, I was taking notes mm-hmm. on people to where, hey, I'm, and I'm reviewing the notes. I'm not just writing it down. So I noticed that this person feels and likes these things or this person does not like when these things happen. So if I can see it and get ahead of it, I'm, I'm studying people the way I was studying code before. So the hustle don't stop. You just have to bend it to what makes sense in your current position. Hmm. Do you regret that hustle time period? Absolutely not. Yeah, I don't. I don't either. I, I, I ask that because yeah, people people say, look, there there is a point in time where you need to put in a solid one to five years mm-hmm. of hustle, depending on where you you can end anywhere in there. Some people put it in a year, or whatever. But there is a point in time in life where you need to do that if you really want to get where you're going. Yeah. And and then always you gotta refine that balance, right? Shoot, I've been trying to what find the rebalance for the last two years. <laughs> I never get how much, but yeah. I was in there for I went back. I was in there for about five years, man. You was five deep five years of just crazy focus. We'll get into that on another another podcast, another conversation. What that actually looked like because it's scary looking back. What that, what that actually looked like. But all right, y'all, thank you for coming to Tech in Motion. We really appreciate it. Like and subscribe if you've gotten this far, especially. Uh, We really appreciate y'all. Have a good one.